1: Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by Sup China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Xin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Xin global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. This week, on March 18th, the world commemorates Awkward Moments Day. Sticking with that theme, here's something to make you chuckle or, more likely, wince. <clears throat> I hate it when non-dads tell dad jokes. It's such a faux pas. Faux pas, get it? <laughs> that gem was on behalf of our show's co-producer, Nandini. I keep telling her that while she may think that such jokes might be pulled off in person, when she emails them to me, they are not remotely funny. <laughs> Hey, thanks to the one person listening who actually laughed. Well, now that we have well and truly captured the mood of Awkward Moments Day, let's take a look at all the major developments from China's business scene. Two of the country's biggest cities have dramatically stepped up their COVID controls as the virus surges. Luckin Coffee got lucky and managed to escape total liquidation. We will also be exploring how Western sanctions on Russia could impact Chinese banks. With all the news that matters, here is your weekly roundup from the world's most populous nation. And let's start things off with some big financial news. Last week, on Friday, U.S.-traded Chinese stocks suffered the worst daily decline since the global financial crisis. The news comes after the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, named five Chinese companies that could be removed from the American stock markets for failing to meet audit requirements. On March 11th, the NASDAQ Golden Dragon China Index closed down over 10.18%, marking the largest decline since October 2008. The index tracks more than 90 Chinese stocks traded in the U.S. It has lost 34% this year after sinking 43% in 2021. Among the companies impacted is Chinese ride-hailing giant Didi Global, Inc., Its shares plunged 44% on Friday after the company reportedly suspended preparations for its planned Hong Kong listing. Bloomberg reports that Didi failed to meet Chinese regulators' demands that it overhaul its systems for handling sensitive user data. Likewise, Chinese tech firms Pinduoduo and Baidu each lost more than 10%. Meanwhile, Alibaba and JD.com dropped at least 6% each. There's also been a lot of commotion over Qingshan, the Chinese stainless steel giant. The company's wrong-way bet on nickel futures has rocked the global commodity market, while giving Chinese banks the jitters. Sources told Saixin that several commercial banks and other financial institutions have been closely monitoring market developments and launched internal inspections to assess risks following the wild rally of nickel. Zhejiang province-based Qingshan is the world's largest nickel producer. The company came under mounting pressure over a massive short position in nickel that it built since last year, betting on prices to decline. Russia's invasion of Ukraine pushed up prices and squeezed short position holders, forcing them to trim their bets. Those moves further turbocharged nickel to a record high of more than $100,000 a ton last week, on the London Metal Exchange. In other business news, Luckin Coffee said last week that a petition to wind up the disgraced chain had been dismissed. That's after the coffee company reached a deal with creditors to restructure $460 million in debt. The erstwhile Starbucks China challenger said the Grand Court of the Cayman Islands had called off provisional liquidators who were appointed in July 2020 after the petition was filed. Luckin said the court's decision came after it reached a deal with its creditors to restructure the debt. The move has been recognized by a U.S. bankruptcy court. As a reminder, Luckin has been trying to move on from its more than $300 million financial fraud scandal, which came to light in 2020. The company is planning to relist in the U.S. Last week also saw the 2022 two sessions come to an end, the annual meeting of the National People's Congress and the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. Chinese Premier Li Keqiang spoke to the press Friday at the end of this year's political gatherings. He said that China intends to make its COVID control measures more scientific and precise, while it works to ensure the orderly and smooth flow of goods and people. Chinese top infectious disease expert said earlier this year that the country has been assessing whether to adopt a strategy of coexistence with COVID-19 that suits its circumstances, as it looks to possibly reopen the country in the near future. Speaking via video link, the premier also confirmed that he is entering the final year of his tenure after serving two consecutive terms. And that's definitely not the only COVID story to make the headlines. China has ramped up virus controls in two of its biggest cities. The news comes as infections soared in a new wave of COVID-19 outbreak that has spread throughout many parts of the world's most populous country. Travel restrictions and residential lockdowns were imposed in China's financial hub Shanghai and southern tech center Shenzhen during the weekend. Both cities have reported hundreds of COVID-19 cases in the latest flare-ups, which have been mainly caused by the highly transmissible Omicron variant. On Saturday, China reported more than 3,300 domestic COVID-19 infections. This represents the nation's worst outbreak since the early days of the pandemic. Let's move on to some geopolitical news. Leaders from China, France, and Germany voiced joint support last week for Russia and Ukraine to continue peace talks and reach a negotiated settlement to end the conflict. In a virtual summit with French President Emmanuel Macron and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, Chinese President Xi Jinping said that China is deeply grieved by the outbreak of war again on the European continent. She said that the pressing task for now is to prevent the tense situation from escalating or even running out of control. He also called for maximum restraint to prevent a massive humanitarian crisis. The Chinese president added that the international community needs to jointly support the peace talks between Russia and Ukraine and encourage the two sides to keep up momentum in the negotiations and bring about a peaceful outcome. And while we're speaking of the conflict, TikTok has restricted its services in Russia. That's after Russia introduced new legislation which criminalizes the publication of what the Kremlin deems to be false information about its assault on Ukraine. In a series of tweets issued last week, the ByteDance owned app said that users in Russia would no longer be able to live stream or upload new content as the company reviews the implications of the new law. However, its in app messaging service will remain available. Under Russia's new law, those who are deemed to have discredited the country's armed forces or called for sanctions against the Russian government can be imprisoned for up to 15 years and be fined up to $14,000. TikTok said it can provide, quote, a source of relief and human connection during a time of war when people are facing immense tragedy and isolation, end quote. But went on to say, that the safety of its employees and users remains the company's highest priority. Let's turn now to Kelsey Chung, who joins us from Beijing. Welcome back, Kelsey. You're Taishin Global's financial news reporter, is that correct?
2: Yes. Hi, Kaiser. Great to be back.
1: Well, great to have you back on the show. So, Kelsey, I understand that you've been following the news on Western sanctions on Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. Many of our listeners uh, must be very curious about how this is going to impact China. So let's start with something many people have been focused on, which is the ban of a number of Russian banks from the SWIFT system. Can you explain what the SWIFT system is and why it's so important here?
2: Yes, of course. So SWIFT, which stands for the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, is a Belgium-based global financial messaging system that links banks around the world and it facilitates international money transfers. And about two weeks ago, the EU, the United States and several other Western countries have decided to kick seven Russian banks out of the SWIFT system to punish the country for its attack on Ukraine. So in the joint statement, the sanction aims to ensure that the banks are disconnected from the international financial system and harm their ability to operate globally. This is significant because SWIFT is used by more than 11,000 financial institutions and non-financial companies around the world. And since 2010, the key system has gradually become a tool for Western authorities to impose sanctions on other countries. For example, in 2012, Some Iranian banks were banned from SWIFT as part of the EU's sanctions over its nuclear program. As a result, the country lost a significant portion of its oil export revenues and foreign trade. So banning Russia from SWIFT could potentially deliver a heavy blow to the country's economy, whose finances are heavily dependent on revenue from oil exports and gas exports.
1: Okay, so now let's bring China into this. What could be the implications of these sanctions on Chinese banks?
2: So the sanctions on Russia, including removing the seven banks from SWIFT, have made some Chinese banks quite nervous, especially those with international business dealings. They're worried that if they continue to do business with sanctioned Russian entities, it could lead to potential secondary sanctions. So these secondary sanctions are aimed at preventing third parties from trading with the entities targeted by U.S. and other Western governments. These could involve penalties uh, such as a ban on doing business with the country, imposing the sanctions, or restrictions on financial transactions carried out in its currency. Experts have said that even if there isn't a direct connection to the U.S., Chinese investments in Russia could be viewed as providing financial support to the sanctioned entities, and therefore in violation of the U.S. executive order, which could trigger secondary sanctions. So one of the heaviest penalties would be to be added to the specially designated nationals and blocked persons list, the SDN list. It's administered by the U.S. Office of Foreign Assets Control. This is essentially a power tool that removes an institution from the U.S. financial system, It bans it from conducting transactions with U.S. institutions and their overseas subsidiaries and freezes their assets in the U.S. This basically means being cut off entirely from international trade since they won't be able to access chips, the electronic funds transfer system in the U.S. for settling cross-border payments.
1: So if I understand correctly, a lot of Chinese banks are still just trying to figure out what's going on and what to make of the situation, right?
2: Yes, that's right. While the list of primary sanctions and what they mean are clear to everyone, the conditions that could trigger secondary sanctions are still quite ambiguous at the moment. Um this is according to industry insiders, which means that the final interpretation of any potential penalties rests with the US. So for example, the case with 24 Belarusian individuals and entities um, they were added to the SCN list less than a month ago, um, the U.S. cited Belarus's support and facilitation of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We've learned from interviews that while Chinese institutions are technically able to continue engaging with sanctioned Russian entities under domestic law, a number of Chinese financial institutions are now assessing their business dealings in Russia. They're currently evaluating the risks and their potential exposure as they await further guidelines from their head offices. We've also had sources telling us that the sanctions have had limited impact on Chinese banks so far, apart from the suspension of some ongoing dollar-denominated transactions. Either way, uh, some of China's biggest lenders are already showing signs of compliance with Western sanctions from Russia, according to Bloomberg last month. The offshore units of ICBC, the world's largest bank by assets, stopped issuing U.S. dollar-denominated letters of credit for purchases of physical Russian commodities. Uh, Bank of China has also curbed financing for Russian commodities, according to Bloomberg. An Asian infrastructure investment bank, AIIB, a multilateral development bank based in Beijing, said it has decided to stop all business with Russia and Belarus and place them under review. According to its website, the bank has two projects in Russia with 800 million US dollars in total of approved financing, while there's a third project in the pipeline worth 300 million US dollars. Either way, compliance experts are recommending all Chinese banks to conduct risk assessments for their Russia related businesses, regardless of the settlement currency used. The advice is, you know, do risk assessments, conduct due diligence on customers and businesses, and determine whether the operation is compliant and then
1: deal with it. Okay, thank you, Kelsey. Thank you. We'll have to have you back on the show to keep us updated. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Xin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the new podcasts on the Seneca Network like China Stories, featuring the best writing on China from around the web, and the China Sports Insider podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.